They marveled at your signs, your wonders. They thought you had died, but you saved the world. A sign, power, divine authority. Expect a miracle, believe for a miracle, receive for a miracle. And be responsible to manage your miracle. Where miracles are, there certainly God is. Well, good morning. How are you? Good to see you. You know, I, we love to see God work in people's lives. Amen? I mean, we really, really do. And I, I just got to share this story. It never gets old for me, but um, about five years ago, six years ago, I can't remember now, uh, Carlos, Katie, uh, when you were diagnosed with uh, cancer, and he said, uh, if we get it, and it somehow actually turned from malignant to benign before in the surgery, and then you'll not have children. And they told me today they're expecting their fourth. <laughs> so the doctors were off by about four, which we're, we're rejoicing in that, and so good to hear the news. And uh, we're going to go ahead and ask everybody to put in the prayer wall that you have 12. Amen? Look at you two. You, you think you're done, huh? Amen. But um, I love the way God works, and I, and I love fun. Yeah, anybody like fun? You like, like to laugh a little bit? I want to show you a video that I showed uh, on Christmas Eve. If you were here, you're still going to enjoy it, but it's just so good. It's backed by popular demand to a, a wider audience. And so I want you to know up front, this is not real. Say this with me. This is not real. This is going to be funny, but this is not real. Somebody, every time we show something like this, somebody comes and goes, now how do I get that? No, this is not real. Okay, so watch the screens. Tired of having to wake up, get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing Virtual Reality Church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery? Who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go forward for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of a mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance. All right, well, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? A lot of fun. Some of you go, yeah, I want that. I want that. I really do. 
Uh, today I want to talk to you about earthly versus spiritual. It's kind of an extension of what we started last week on the kingdom and what the kingdom of God is really like. When we, th- we begin to read the Bible, what we understand is that God uses earthly language to teach us kingdom truth. So that whenever Jesus is teaching, he's taking something very simple like a man who goes out and sows seed. But the message is always much deeper than that, and it always has multiple layers within even that one teaching. And so when you begin to study the Word of God, you're going to begin to see these things. God will teach you using something earthly like bread. And then Jesus will say, but I am the bread of life. Then he'll say, but I am the bread that comes from heaven. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they were sustained, but I am the bread of life. He does the same thing with water. And he continues to teach these lessons. And what we have to do is we have to, to begin to relate to the Word of God on what we know, and then God will take us into the unknown in order to reveal more of who he is. You see, what happens is that heaven honors the revelation to earth in order to see increase. What God does is, as, you be- as He begins to reveal truth to you, and you honor God in that, then God will give you an increase more and more. God is not going to reveal more to you than you're already responsible for. So if you're unwilling to progress in what He's shown you, He's not going to show you more. So ask yourself this question, what is it that God has shown me that I'm not doing, I'm not currently experiencing? Now, whenever you read the Bible, it's a, it's a big book. It really is. They put those skinny pages in Bibles to fool you because if they put regular thickness paper in there, the Bible would be like 12 inches thick, right? But there's a lot in there. But, and so people say, well, I don't even know where to start or I don't understand what I'm reading. Remember that the Bible was never written for your mind alone. It was written for your mind and your spirit, So that when you read the Word of God, it demands divine revelation as you go. So as you read the Word of God, you stop, you say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what I'm reading. I really believe that God can even bless your reading when you don't even understand. There's a lot of things in life I don't understand, but I accept and I experience. Just like the Word of God, I'll read something. God, I don't know what that means. Will you show me? And then over time, God's revelation will give it to me. For example, I don't understand electricity. I have had classes, I've had electricians teach me and tell me all, I don't understand it. I really don't know how it works. I don't care how it works. I choose to turn on the switch. When I turn on the switch, I experience light. There's a lot in the Word of God that's like electricity. You may not understand how it works, you may not be able to explain it, but don't choose to sit in the dark, hit the switch and say, God, I'm moving forward until you reveal to me that which you have for me. And what God will do is he'll just keep opening up because favor increases when you steward something well. I don't care what it is in your life, if you steward it well, if you steward your business well, favor will come upon your business. If you honor God in what you do, he will bring an increase in your life. Now, sometimes we get frustrated because we say, well, I honored God for a week and I don't see any results. Keep honoring You know, Psalm 37 is a favorite favorite scripture of many. It says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, he will give the desires of your heart. But nobody wants to read the verse before that. It says, dwell in the land, dwell in the land, and pursue righteousness. Stability, dwell in the land, 
Pursue that which you should be pursuing. Delight now in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. So God is all about shaping you as a person, as a kingdom person, so that you can function with great power, great authority here on earth, and also because what you're, what you're learning here is, is really on-the-job training for what you're going to have an assignment in eternity. Eternity is not sitting around singing. By the way, thank you, Michael. I loved your outfit today. You look like an Abercrombie model up there. Or Diddy Moore. Remember Diddy Moore stew? I got the Diddy Moore thing, you know, with the check. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry I'm off. But, but what God's going to do, he's going to take you little by little. He's going to progress you down the road. And, and one of the things that we notice when we study Scripture is that, that God will, uh, in Scripture, he'll use things called signs and wonders and miracles. And you'll see that, those three coming together, uh, and, and you kind of think, what does that mean? Well, let me give you this first kind of thought, that signs are evidence of the kingdom. When I'm driving down the road and I see a stop sign, that's evidence of the kingdom of earth. It says this is the rules of how the kingdom works, that cars who don't stop at intersections are going to have problems. So we're going to stop here. You're going to look both ways. You're going to progress. And the Word of God signs are the same way. They're kingdom signs that help you to understand how to function within the economy of the kingdom of God, the spiritual kingdom. So let me give you just kind of a, a walk through what those three things are, just a brief understanding. A sign always points to something else. So signs are never about the sign. They're about announcing something greater, like a stop sign is about, grading, uh, about pointing to a greater body of law on how traffic should function in society. When you see signs in the Word of God, they're pointing you to God's activity and God's power. The sign, don't get stuck on the sign. Realize there's more than that, and you've got to move into God's power and God's authority. The second one is the, is the word wonder. Wonder is an event that causes people to be amazed or astounded. Often they'll just say they, were, they just wondered at what was happening, what was being revealed, or what was being said. And then the third one is miracle, and that is a display of God's power. A display of God's power. So you see a miracle and you go, this did not happen except by God. And sometimes what God will do, he'll do miracles so big that he makes sure nobody can take credit for it. Like he'll split the Red Sea. That's, that's a pretty good miracle. Right? Who's going to take credit for that one? Moses can't. He didn't even want to cross. He stood there and whined to God, God, how did you bring us out here to kill us in the wilderness? And he said, basically, stop whining, tell the people to go forward. See, he had to go forward on the revelation of God that there, that water would, would split. And there are people today who say, well, that was the Reed Sea, and it was only 12 inches of water. And I said, well, then this is a greater miracle. Because all those Egyptians drowned in 12 inches of water. What a miracle we've got here, Amen. All right, let's take it to our scripture, John chapter 2, or John chapter 3, rather, verse 2 and 3. Uh, Nicodemus is a religious leader. He comes to Jesus by night, and we, we often take this passage, and we think it's just a, a passage about being born again. It is that, but it's so much more than that, and that's what I want to show you today. Rabbi, he comes, and he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. How did he know that? For no one can do these signs, there it is, that you do unless God is with him. So the signs that Jesus uh, had performed prior to this pointed him to the reality of who Jesus was. That was the purpose of the sign. 
The sign was not the end of itself. It was to point to God's activity, God's power. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, and he uses the word there, experience, and that's the, the Greek word, the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know what it is, but Jesus is a master at not answering or appreciate, fully appreciating the questions that come to him. Sometimes they'll come with a question. You'll say, I'll be glad to answer that, but first you answer this one. Nicodemus comes with a compliment. He says, hey, I've got a compliment. Nobody can do the signs you do except God be with him. He said, you know what? Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. I'm sure Nicodemus was not accustomed to that. But what was Jesus doing? In your prayer life, Jesus will always redirect you. The Spirit of God will redirect you to where you need to go. Sometimes you'll pursue that which you do not need, do not want, and the Spirit of God will direct you, and you'll get sidetracked. And God said, no, I'm going to bring you back to where I need you to be. That's what he was doing with Nicodemus. Now, what signs had Nicodemus uh, experienced that caused him to say this? Well, John chapter 2, verse 11. And here's what it says. This is the story of the water turned into wine, which is a pretty good miracle. It says, this is the beginning of signs which Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So it was not about turning water into wine. That was a sign. Why? So that the glory of God could be manifest. We got all caught up, oh, the first miracle of Jesus. No, the greatest thing about that story is not water to wine. The greatest thing about that story is Jesus was manifested to them in his glory. In other words, they looked at Jesus and they said, this is not a common man. God is with this man. That's exactly what Nicodemus saw. You're doing signs. We're seeing God. Tell us more. That's what signs are supposed to do. People get caught up in signs and wonders and miracles, and they forget they're not the ending of themselves. They're just the beginning to bring you into a deeper experience of God in the kingdom of God. Let me show you a little bit further in that same chapter, verse 23. It says, many believed in his name when, when, when they saw the signs. So what happened? It elicited faith to believe in God as a true God. That's, what he, that's the, the foundation now that Nicodemus is experiencing and what we're going to begin to understand. So there's two families. There is an earthly family. We all have one. And there's a heavenly family. And the earthly family is pretty easy. We can identify that. That all has to do with the natural world. And the heavenly family has to do with the supernatural world. Okay? And so we enter into, the, into this life through the natural birth, and we have a birthday. My birthday is May 30th. But, and so I know when it happened because I have a birth certificate and because my parents told me, and then we celebrated every year this thing called a birthday. But I also have another birthday, and it's a supernatural birthday. It's a heavenly birthday. It's April 29th. This experience was real. It happened in time, in space. This one is real. It happened in time and in space. This one is as real as this one. This one happened on the natural plane. This one happened on the supernatural plane. The Bible says that I can't enter into the kingdom of God unless I have the supernatural experience of entering into relationship with God. So let's just kind of start to drill down on this idea of signs and, and some of this truth that we have here. Signs are a manifestation of God's glory. They somehow manifest God's glory. 
The word glory in the Hebrew is a word that, that actually carries a word of weight. It's weighty. And when the glory comes, it feels weighty. It's almost like you feel the presence of God. Whenever you, whenever you had that, that great experience with God, and you go, wow, just feel God in the room. That's glory. And that glory can increase. There's no end to how, how deep or how rich that glory can become. The glory will always draw you into the kingdom. It will never draw you into yourself. It'll draw you into the kingdom. You'll never become selfish when the glory shows up. You'll become humbled. Everybody in the Word of God, when they encountered the glory, they were humbled. Isaiah himself said in Isaiah chapter 6, when he encountered the glory, he said, you know, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for I have seen the Lord of glory. The train of his robe was filling the temple, and I said, woe is me. Why? Because he encountered glory. Pride cannot function in the midst of glory. Your selfish desires cannot function in the midst of glory. They die. They have to die. Or you have to choose to turn your back on glory and move in the direction of self. So the glory will always draw you into the kingdom. Anybody thirsty? It's good water. The new birth is not optional in the kingdom. And I'm going to need a cough drop. I can tell already. <coughs> Too much glory. George, you just have everything. What, what? I get one? Give me two, George. Thank you, George. George is a great resource on everything. Amen? All right. So the new birth is not optional in the kingdom. You cannot experience the kingdom of God apart from the new birth. You can read the Bible. You can get baptized. You can have Lord's Supper, but you're not experiencing the kingdom unless you're born again. Entering into the kingdom of God through the, through the birth experience, the supernatural birth called born again, what that does is that's just 101 Christianity. That's all it is. It's 101 Christianity. You can't, they just get you in the door so that you can begin to understand the kingdom of God. Because what happens is you can know Christ, but you can't see into the kingdom apart from desire. You, you come into the kingdom, you're born again, and you know him, but to see him, it demands desire. That's why the Bible always says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added. That's why it says hunger and thirst after righteousness. For without it, no one will see God. The pure of heart will see God. There's, this, there's something in us that has to desire after God. The kingdom followers uh, in this story, as we're going to continue now, the kingdom stories are likened unto the wind. Now, we're very accustomed to the wind here in this area because of the Santa Anas. And the wind just seems to come up out of nowhere, doesn't it? And it blows, sometimes it blows really hard, sometimes it's still, and sometimes it just kind of, it's intermittent off and on. And it says the Spirit of God is like the wind. In fact, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for wind is the word, or spirit is the same as spirit, it's ruach. And in the New Testament, we see wind and spirit, they're interchangeable. So when the disciples are in the upper room, what do they have? There's, there's a mighty wind that comes through there. What is it? That's a Spirit of God coming into that room and powerfully working. 
So John chapter 3, verses 4 and 8. How can a man be born again when he is old? So here's what Nicodemus is doing. He's thinking on the earthly level. He says, how can I be born again? And he's thinking, I'm going to get born again physically, but he can't relate to what's going on here because he hasn't experienced the Spirit of God yet. He said, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And the obvious answer is no, he can't. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So unless I'm born again, I can't enter into this sphere of the heavenly. I can hear people talk about it. I can want it. But until I enter into it, I haven't experienced it. The kingdom of God is not only about knowing. It's not just about principles, but it's also about experience. Unless you experience it, it doesn't stay with you. In fact, you'll find that what you remember is what you feel. You know, there, there's, there are branches of, of faith expressions of God in the, in, the, in the kingdom out there that want to take all of experience out of the world and just make it all intellectual. All that does is make you proud. You just get proud about how much you know. But you're not living it out. You want to experience it. You want to have it in your life. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And he says, do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. Now, he's getting ready to shift again on him. Okay, I got it. Born again, there's spiritual, there's fleshly. And then look what he does. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, you can imagine Nicodemus. He's going, wait, wait, I'm just getting the born again thing down. What's the wind all about now? He says, the Spirit of God is like the wind. It shows up when you don't expect it. Sometimes it's stronger. Sometimes it's weaker. It has a mind of its own. Wind appears to have a mind of its own. The Spirit of God is like that. Sometimes you can be talking to someone, and you don't even have God on your mind, and all of a sudden you just have the sense of the presence of God, and the Spirit of God shows up. And you just, sometimes you just like calm, and all of a sudden you just start crying. Go, where did that come from? And you're just overwhelmed with the presence of God because the Spirit of God is like the wind. So you enter the kingdom of God by faith, but you see the kingdom by desire. Because he talks both about knowing and about seeing. I want to see into the kingdom. In other words, I have earthly eyes, but I also have heavenly eyes or spiritual eyes. I want to be able to see into the heavenly realm what God is up to. I want to know the depth and the grace and all that God has for me, and I've got to go there with God. So let's look in a little bit further here. The kingdom followers have the nature of the Holy Spirit. You see, you're like the Holy Spirit in that it says, you want to know what the Spirit of God is like? He's like the wind. You're like the wind. You're like, you're, you're, you have to respond to the Spirit of God on impulse. God, what do you want me to do? Spirit of God, where do you want me to do? Sometimes it's crazy stuff. God's going I want you to go talk to that person. I don't want to go talk to that person. I was in an airport in uh, New York in LaGuardia when we lived out there. And uh, a lot of Orthodox Jews out there. And I was standing there, and I see like four or five Orthodox Jews standing over there. And I just, and the Spirit said, go talk to them. And I don't want to talk to them. Have you ever talked to the Holy Spirit like that? You know, I don't know. I, I think I got a different message. Let's leave them alone. They're fine. Now go talk. I want you to go talk to them. So I looked at him, and there was like uh, one guy was younger, and I thought, I'm just going to try the younger guy. Maybe he'll be a little bit more progressive and won't think I'm crazy. 
So I walk to him and I say, hey, I don't know how this is going to come across. I'm going to give you the best I got right now. And the guy's looking at me like, you are crazy. And I said, I believe in the promise that God gave to Abraham. He said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in the, in, the, in, the, in the God of Abraham, I want to bless you. They were all just dumbfounded. They looked at me like, I can't believe this is actually happening. And the guy goes, well, thank you very much. And I go, you're welcome. And he goes, why did you say that to me? And I said, first of all, because God chose you as a people. And because I honor, I honor the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a follower of Jesus who is a Jewish rabbi, as you know. We probably have a difference of opinion about what he did and who he was but it doesn't change the fact that I want to bless you. And I walked away from that, and, and I thought, what was the greatest thing that happened there? Was it that I said to them, I want to bless you? No, it was that I was obedient. See, if you're not obedient to the revelation of God on one level, he can't entrust you with another level of, obe- uh, of, of revelation. He's going to leave you where you are until you're obedient to the level he's already trusted you with. If I had a dollar for every person over, over a lifetime who said, when I get rich, I'm going to bless the church and bless the kingdom, I'd be a millionaire. And I always say the same thing. I said, no, you won't. You're, you're a cheapo now. You won't, you'll be a cheapo then. <laughs> it's true. Because I don't learn. I don't, God doesn't entrust me with more because, I, or, you know, when I'm unfaithful with what I have. He says, no, be faithful with what you have, and I will entrust you with more. Learn on this level, and I'll take you to this level. Learn on this level, I'll take you to this level. And he'll just keep moving us down that road. Kingdom eyes see beyond the natural. When you have kingdom eyes, you're able to look at a situation and go, this is what it appears to be, but wisdom says, and you look and you see it from a different vantage point. You see, the Bible says, keep on looking down because you're seated in heavenly places, Right? Your position in Jesus is in heaven. You say, I've got to see things from God's perspective. How do I get God's perspective in this situation in my life so that I don't do this on a natural level? I want to do this on a spiritual level. All right, let's look at the Scripture. Nicodemus uh, says this, answers and says in verse 9, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say unto you, we speak what we know. Did you notice he uses the word we there twice? And yet Jesus and Nicodemus are the only two talking. He's making reference to the Trinity. He says the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when we speak, we speak from experience. We're speaking with authority. We have experienced what we're telling you right now, what we know, and we testify, there it is again, what we have seen. So he talks about knowing and he talks about seeing. In the kingdom, there's knowing, and in the kingdom, there's seeing. Some will experience only knowing, and some will experience both. But you get to choose if you experience the seeing in the kingdom of God. Remember, Elijah was the prophet. He was surrounded by, uh, or actually, he, was, uh, he told his servant, it's, it, it's going to rain, and he went out, and he said, there's no clouds in the sky. He comes back, he says, keep looking. He keeps sending him out, and he finally, he finally says, you know, there's a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. He said, okay, let's get out of here because it's getting ready to pour. On another occasion, he sent him out. He said, we're surrounded by an army. He said, great are those that are with us. Don't worry about it. We're fine. And he said, no, no, there's no, you, you, we're in bad shape here. And then, and then the prophet says, let's just pray. 
God opened his eyes. He opened his eyes. He saw into the spiritual realm. So you can see into the spiritual realm. You can see things other people don't see. That's what God's talking about here. He says, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things you do not believe, how will I tell you if you believe heavenly things? Everything up to this point Jesus has been talking about is earthly. Did you realize what he just said? He said, if I've shown you everything I've talked to you about thus far is in the natural realm, it has some relationship here, but it's all these earthly things. If I can't, if you can't get this, how can I take you deeper here? So what he's saying is, when I begin to understand and see this, now I get to see, and he begins to show me things that are deeper than just being born again, deeper than the application of earthly things point to heavenly things. He's going to take us on a deeper journey. He said, now watch what happens here. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven... That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Don't miss what's happening here. Keep that scripture up. Let's just look at it carefully. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. So it says Jesus came from heaven, right? Born of a virgin, manifested on earth as a man. Okay, he was a God man, fully God, fully man, all right? It says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. No, wait a minute. I thought you were standing right in front of me. Jesus says, I'm in heaven. Is that curious? You see, if you don't read it slow, you miss it. What is he talking about? Nicodemus' head is spinning now. Keep it up there. Don't, leave, don't take that scripture down. That's, I want you to see it. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven. We get that. That is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Jesus operated from a perspective of heaven on earth all the time. You might be seeing me in my natural realm here on earth, but actually all of my thinking is supernatural and heavenly. Everything I do. No wonder he told his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. Where? Where? as it is in heaven. You see, I want you to get heavenly-minded so that you can bring heaven to earth and people can experience this, this heavenly. And once you bring heaven to earth, I'm going to open up this stuff on earth in the heavenly realm that you've never seen before. I'm going to give you fresh insights that you've never seen before. So here's how it works. The deeper in the kingdom of God you go, the more you both know and you both see. You realize there's no end. You could read the entire Bible. You could memorize the entire Bible, and you still would not know everything God's going to show you because the Word of God is living and active. It's always opening up eyes. God teaches first with earthly parallels that point to heavenly things. You know, everything is instructional. You remember Pinocchio? Anybody remember Pinocchio? The little cartoon? I love Pinocchio. I love the cartoon. I love the whole your nose grows when you lie. Wouldn't it be handy in, in life? You come into church, it's like a jousting, you know, like, like all these long noses. Hey, I know what you've been up to, right? And I love the story because, you know, little Pinocchio, he just wants to be a boy. He wants to be a real boy. Translated, I don't want to be under the care of my father. I don't want to listen to my father. I'm not satisfied with my station in life. I want to be like all the other boys. 
I want to be rebellious to the Father. That's what, that's what this Pinocchio is all about. It's a great movie. I mean, we'll go watch it today. So getting so excited about it. What happens to Pinocchio? He meets up with the wrong guy. He goes down in this place, and, he, and, and they're shooting pool and drinking beer. He says, this is the best place I've ever been in my life. You know, and he looks over, and he sees all these donkeys. Remember this? Now, these donkeys are working, you know, and then some of these donkeys look like they're half boys. He can't figure out what's going on. How come a boy is half donkey? And, and before long, what happens is the longer you're in that environment, the more like a donkey you become. It's a picture in the Bible. The picture of a donkey is a picture of a rebellious man. In fact, in Exodus chapter 13, it says, when the firstborn comes forth, you have to offer a sacrifice for that firstborn animal because it's a picture of a rebellious lost person against God, or you have to break its neck. That's why Proverbs says, he who often stiffens his neck against God will often find it broken that without healing. You see the picture? Just you take that one animal, you stretch it through, and it'll, it'll, it'll point you to a greater reality. So remember King David? King David was a keeper of his father's sheep. Remember that? Sheep are followers. They're compliant. But David was not the same as Saul. Saul was a keeper of his father's donkeys. He didn't have to heart, heart after God. He had a heart after man. And there's an earthly lesson being taught. So what is the lesson? I have to be submissive to God, not rebellious against God, because God wants to teach me some great truths. Earthly things point to it. So what happens to Pinocchio? Pinocchio finally gets out of there, right? He gets saved. He gets delivered. Yeah, put your hands together for Pinocchio. First time anybody's ever clapped for Pinocchio in a church service. I know it's true. Now here's what happens. Now watch this. So... In this, I know God. God begins to see things. I'm obedient to do what God shows me. And what does he do? Now he begins to teach me from the known to the unknown. Things that don't have an earthly parallel necessarily. And someone will have this experience and you'll say, where did you get that? Well, God showed it to me. Wow, I've never seen that before. And once you start to see it, your eye just open up to all kinds of crazy things. Let me tell you kind of a crazy story. So about a year ago, I was taking a shower. And I've taken them between now, Then, by the way. Um, But I was taking a shower. And I hear worship music, and I think it's my wife, you know, because my wife's always got, you know, her, her iPhone on, got worship music, and she's walking and talking and praising. And I think, oh, Tammy's here, you know. And so I keep hearing the music, and I think, ah, you know, that's kind of a cool song. And I don't even know if I know that song. And I open it up, and I look out, and I don't see my wife. Ah, huh, well, she must have just flew through here, you know. And then I, I go back to the shower, and, and I hear this worship again. And I go, I'm looking at the shower head. I'm popping on the shower head. I'm going, you know, maybe it's the, the, just the temperature and the volume and the, all this stuff. It's making this, like, worship sound coming out of the shower head. I turn the shower off, and I still hear it. That's weird. You know, and I... I'm not like, I'm not like always looking for stuff like this. This is just, this kind of caught me off guard. You know, I mean, I'm literally, I'm naked and I'm hearing worship stuff. And this is, I'm like David. You remember when he danced before the Lord without clothes on? I mean, I'm feeling like that. I'm, I'm getting dressed. I think it's just weird. So last night, 
I had finished my study, and I was just kind of walking our house, and I was just kind of praising God. It was about midnight, and Tammy was already in bed and asleep, and I came up in the room, and I, uh, I lay down in bed, and I'd suddenly hear this worship music. And yeah, she left her phone on again, you know? And I go over by her bed, and I don't see her phone, and so I go in the, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, rather, and, and her phone's in there, and there's no music coming out of it. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's my phone. I go over to my phone, and there's no music. I'm thinking, this is weird. I go lay back down, and I hear this worship sound. I get up again. I go, look, I got, there's something going on here. I don't know what's going on. There's something going on here. And I go, look, I can't find it. I finally lay down. And I hear all this worship sounds, all these worship music going on. And I realize it was just God was somehow bringing some heavenly voices into my sphere of, of, of earth from the heavenly. And I laid there, and I just said, God, I can't believe I'm hearing this. And he said this to me. He said, you would hear it more if you were more aware of my presence. He said, I am always in, the, in this dimension of the supernatural. Praise is going on 24-7. It never stops. The glory of God is always going on. And you read that there in Isaiah 6. It says the seraphim were, were flying and they were crying, holy, holy, holy. And then you go to Revelation. You realize they're singing these praises of, of the glory of the Lamb who was slain. They're singing new songs. There's praise going 24-7 around the clock in eternity. And God says, it's always there. I want you in my sphere of the supernatural more and more. I want you more aware. Just move in that realm as much as you possibly desire, and I'll give you whatever you want. He takes me from the known to the unknown, into the known, into the unknown, to where I see more and more of the depths and the power and the mighty power of Almighty God. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you just uh, bow your heads for a moment. In this room, there are two families represented. There's some that are natural and some that are supernatural. That is, some of you have never been born again. You've been religious, you've been in church, but you've never experienced the Savior. I want you to experience, I want you to experience salvation today if you have not being born again. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise. You will be saved. That's knowing God. That's step one. That's 101 in the kingdom. From there you can go on and on and on as deep as you want to go. But you pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried and on the third day you rose from the dead to give me life. I receive that life by faith to know you, to enter into the heavenly family from the earthly family. If that was your prayer, just thank him for salvation. Pursue him with all your heart. If that was your prayer, let's just bow your heads right now. If that was your prayer, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that was me. God bless you. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. God bless you. All right, now let me talk to you in the heavenly family. Would you say right now, I want to go deeper with God. I want, to, I want to see more of the kingdom. Amen? I want to see more of the kingdom. I want to experience God at a deeper level. God has that for you. He's not withholding anything. He just wants you hungry for Him. Amen? Just get hungry for God. Get hungry for God. We're going to sing this chorus, and as we sing it, I want you just to say, God, just sing it out. God, I am hungry for you. God, 
Show me more. I, make, I just want to be obedient to everything you've shown me, Lord Jesus. Just work in my life right now. Let's sing this. And as we do, you sing it out to God. God bless each one of you today. We just pray uh, that you follow and pursue hard after God. Amen? Amen. And it's not enough for principle. you got to have experience. Experience it. Live it. Get in that Word of God and just read it and just say, God, speak to me. And He will. Amen? Hey, if you, ladies, if you haven't got your tickets for the uh, conference, get those. If you haven't been to the prayer wall yet, go by the prayer wall. Pray. Give God the glory. Pray for... Uh, a random, pull a name out. Just pray. I'm going to pray for this one right here. All right? And uh, see what God does. Come back next week. Bring someone with you. Um, thank you, worship team. It was great as always. Amen.